There it is. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. You really do like cold brew coffee. I do. That's, I thought it was just. Oh, I drink it. Yeah. This is when you show up to Starbucks, it's usually the route you'll go. I hate waiting for it to cool down. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It has a nice, strong flavor to it as well. Yeah. Which I like. Nice. Well, Ray, welcome. Thank this you. is. This is uh, exciting in a lot of ways because I've I've been had the opportunity to connect with you when you first started at Augie yeah. and like really connect there and like have those conversations and you know just you always had the door open and um, it was you and Will who I think set that tone that I became really appreciative and something that I had started noticing in a lot of professors that I would meet that showed up there you know just the willingness to have that door open and have conversations and and kind of confront some of the things that come up um, with an open mind. And to me, that's huge, because in this world where we feel like, you know, we're struggling to have those those spaces, to see that in professors, I think, for me, is, is, is powerful in a lot of ways, because then it's like, okay, we're seeing the things that are working, and we're trying to step away from some of the things that didn't or aren't working, I imagine. Um, and, and then it's also like, it's a place where now it's like I get to get I get the opportunity to get to know this person a little bit more. It's not just a formal, oh, this is my professor, or oh, this is a professor at school, you know, it's like this like barrier there. No, it's like, no, step in, come and get to know me. And I was a custodial staff, dude. Like, I looked at myself as a peon, and here I've got a, you know, somebody who's sitting there looking at me like, ah, no, you're another person too, and you can talk and have an intelligent conversation. So that was a big thing for me. Uh, not that I had seen that a lot, but you know, you have the occasion where you've got those few who just kind of they keep that bubble there. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, yeah, they, they never they don't want to cross that line with, but anyway. Um, so it's awesome to have you here. And then to dive into like some of the stuff that I'd found in regards to some of your background and things that you had explored and that and expressed. And mm -hmm. it was fascinating because it, it, I didn't know. <laughs> Some of the stuff he did. I was like, well, I mean, obviously he's a professor here. He's got to be, you know, something. Southwest, sir, that'll be me. Thank you very much. Awesome. That is it. I That's believe. it. Yeah. Perfect. Enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to Breakfast at, a podcast dedicated to creating safe, no judgment spaces for individuals to speak and be heard engage and reflect all while eating breakfast at some of the best locally owned spots in town today we have the privilege of speaking with a leading educator and innovator in the world of financial technology. With a background that spans from the serene landscapes of Bemidji, Minnesota, to prestigious academic institutions across the United States, he's been a guiding light for students in the realm of fintech. As the director of fintech at Augustana University, he is sculpting the minds of future industry leaders. Join us as we explore the world of finance, technology, and education. Allow me to introduce to you Raymond Leach. So, 
let's get into it. Okay. Ray, welcome to Breakfast at. I would like you to uh, introduce yourself and give the listeners some ideas to who you are and what you're about. Yeah. Uh, my name is Ray Leach. I am a professor at Augustana University. I teach uh, in the School of Business. Um, so I've, I've kind of been put in this role where I'm kind of halfway between computer science and the School of Business. Uh, I teach courses in data science, business analytics, computer programming, uh, and most recently fintech. So we, uh, we just got this fintech program launched this year, and this has been a uh, challenge for me but a huge learning experience so um, it's been a lot of fun figuring out what exactly fintech is and diving into that ray what on earth is fintech yeah great great <laughs> i thought we were going there uh, i mean fintech I, I love using this word i like to use portmanteau when i can and so portmanteau. just a combination of finance and technology right and so you just mash them together and that's what you get mm. um, it's really any way that we can use um, technology to um financial transactions easier um, we've got a younger generation now especially that likes to use technology and they don't like to be um, really bound by regular business hours right that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of one of one of the staples of banks right they're open eight to five and if you want to do banking services inside of that you can't really do that no, so the younger generation they want to do it on their phone mm -hmm. um, they want to get loans they want to do you know, get cash, they want to deposit money, all these things right from their hands and not really interact with people, you know? And I, 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 I'm there with them, you know, I'm, I'm a millennial myself and so I understand the, the frustrations of having to deal with people sometimes. So, I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, you're putting, you're putting the finance products in the ends, uh, in the hands of the, the end users. Mm -hmm. And so it, FinTech is a, is a group of systems or it's just systems being developed for ease of financing or ease of financial stability, ease of financial transaction, just mm -hmm. a place where I can go and skip the worry of, because it's Sunday and I think of like days like yeah. today, if I wanted to do business today, I can't because I yeah. can't go over to the banks, I can't talk to a teller, I can't deposit anything, I can't really actively engage in the things I would normally do in a regular nine to five day. So you're saying that fintech is something that will uh, allow people more access to the things that they would normally find on a regular, day, regular yeah. basis. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Um, I mean, in addition to that as well, um, you, know, you were kind of getting there with what you were saying is, I think the, the, a big, um, I don't want to say it, a big positive of all this fintech stuff is that people see that it could potentially lead to maybe getting financial services in the hands of people that traditionally can't uh, be served by the banks. Mm. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we've got um, we've got a lot of income inequality in this country and in the world, right? And so um, when you have sort of this, this poor class of people that can't really be served by traditional bank means, there could be ways with FinTech to hopefully get them those financial services that, you know, could help them. Um, you know, one of the... Um, one of the biggest indicators of growth, especially in like developing countries, is who has access to financial services. And the more people that you get access to those things, uh, that can help lift your country from a, a developing country up to you know uh, a middle of the road country up to an advanced economy. So, sure. um, I think sure. that there's a lot of uh, promise with that as well. That's awesome. Yeah. So, your background includes economics and statistics. Yep. Which 
<laughs> I can only imagine that's yeah. on its own. Um, how do these disciplines complement and enrich your understanding of fintech, and how do you convey their importance to your students? Right. So, um, statistics, especially, um, you know, kind of some of the big innovations we're seeing in fintech is really because of um, all the advances we're making in machine learning and artificial intelligence. Um, including just the technology itself that, you know, handheld cell phones and things like that. But mm -hmm. data science, um, I mean, that's that's why they hired me at Augie initially is to teach data science courses. And I mean, that's just really stats on steroids. It's just, <laughs> it's just using computers in order to do more data processing, more advanced calculations. Um, and so I went to grad school to be an economist and I really was into the data analysis side of things. I mean, that's, that's what econ is basically. I mean, when you get down to it is you're actually just running the numbers and you're looking at how they interact so you can make policy decisions with it. Sure. Um, and so I liked that application of it. And I was like, well, maybe I could just be a general data scientist, you know, solve these interesting data questions for, uh, for business purposes. And so um, I, I guess that, you know, at the base of all of it, I mean, a lot of this FinTech stuff does run on just the massive amounts of data that's being transmitted and just being able to analyze that stuff. And so mm -hmm. I think that's one of the backbones of, of FinTech. Um, and, then, and for econ, you know, I mean, I have my, my degree is more focused on the central banking aspect. And so why the United States Federal Reserve does what it does and why, you know, why it changes interest rates. Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I think it's just, it's just dealing with banking markets and things like that at, at the core of it. So, yeah. um, you know, Agi saw, uh, um, Agi saw that I would, what am I trying to say here? Excuse me. No, just hit the Um I think Agi saw something in me where they said, you know, the, the background, it's, it's not exactly there, but you're never going to be quite there with FinTech either because it's such a new field. So um, it was adjacent enough that um, it worked out. So Interesting. And yeah. it being something, yeah, it's like that old saying, you know, how can I gain experience or work at a place where they're asking for eight years of experience when there's only three years of, of it actually being right. in the world. Yeah. And you know, how do you do that if you're not hitting the ground running at some point because yeah. you're gonna have to. Yeah. So you're you found yourself in a place where they understand that the it's still evolving, it's still growing. Yep. But the opportunity seeing your abilities, obviously, because I mean oh, Miles, would you right? It's like <laughs> being able to see your ambition, the things that you're driven to, and then on top of that, adding the package of, hey, well, we have this new technology coming out, you mm -hmm. seem to be interested. And what? I've always been very interested in, like, new technologies. You know, yeah. like I said, I, I got interested in data science when I was in grad school, and that's really when wow. that was emerging. Yeah. And so, I feel like I'm just kind of hopping on the next hottest thing every time, right? So, we went from data science, now to fintech, but we'll see what we'll see where I'm at in 10 years. So, the world of data <laughs> science. Mm-hmm. That is just, in a sense, then, it, it, I'll, I'll try to do my best layman. You're taking as much data as you can mm -hmm. and compiling it and then trying to understand the use or best use for it in maybe not just the financial sector, because I think you can put that in anything. Mm -hmm. You get enough data on it, you have a better, clear vision as to what it is you're doing, what maybe the trajectory of what's going on is going to be, mm -hmm. and then you can find ways to tune your understanding for it or your position, right? Yeah. In this ever growing and evolving state. Yeah. What is what is it about data data analytics that 
captivated you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think you start from a point where it's just you have this massive information and you look at it and if you have it like in a spreadsheet or something, right? So just think of a massive Excel spreadsheet where it's just like, how do you even make heads or tails of this thing, right? And so you can do some, some processes to it. Um, and then you can just find relationships in there. Sometimes you don't find yeah. them, but I, I always thought it was cool. Like when I was doing like my econ research, I would just have this massive amount of data and I'd spend a long time collecting it. I would go clean it. You know, you have to get it in the right order in order to do things with it. We call gotcha. it data cleaning. Right. Um, Can't just be the data. It has to be organized. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of it, you, you do some, some analysis techniques to it, whether you're making graphs with it or you're just finding statistics within there yep. or creating um, advanced models with it, um, you can you usually find some information in there that's insightful, that's interesting. Um, you know, in an econ sense, you're looking at, was this policy effective or not? I see. If you're looking at it in a business sense, you're saying, what, what sort of information can I find within this massive amount of data in order to better serve my customers, make okay. more money, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's that's the bottom line of businesses, right? They want to find information there so they can make more money, so. <laughs> so now, this is not that everyone is, I'm sure some people probably fell asleep in that because the idea of like <laughs> being excited about data. Yes. You know, how, how, do you, how do you stay motivated? How do you stay driven? Is it just an inherent thing like you have people who love counting numbers, crunching numbers, yeah. as you have people who love going out and venturing on backpacks you know yeah. that's their thing is it is it inherent things it's something that you've found that you always seem to enjoy pursuing and so it's not yeah. an issue of being motivated or yeah. is there like that little thing that driving factor to get to the end result that keeps you pushing yeah I mean it's it's almost like a puzzle you know hmm. um, I feel like like I said you know you kind of start with this base where you're like I don't know what this means uh, and then you kind of go through some motions with it and Ultimately, you're hoping you find some sort of hidden information within there, and so it's kind of like a big scavenger hunt. I feel like, um, and yeah, I think that in terms of what I've always been interested in, I've always been a very analytical person, and so I took all the math classes I could, all the stats classes I could, and you know, my friends thought I was nuts. They're like, "Why would you do that?" <laughs> I mean, <that's>, you know, <laughs> and and you know. Um, even in college, like, I, I think I went too far in the math route where I got to one math class where I'm just like, this this doesn't jive with me anymore. What's the purpose of this? Yeah. So yeah. Um, I always like to see the practical aspect of it as well. So not just doing things for the sake of doing them, but also right. having an application for it, having an end result so you can actually make some cool insight out of it yeah. and put things together in the world. Right. Yeah. Giving, giving the opportunity, as you said in the beginning, you know, something about finance is up until I, I think I moved here. Up until I moved to the Midwest, I didn't understand the game that was the credit card, right? Didn't make any sense to me, and I'd had people explain it to me, kind of give me the idea as to what it was, but yep. until I was in the place to experience it and understand it, I didn't really get the game. And then you get the game, and you're like, oh, I just have to do these things and this stuff, and it became easy. Mm -hmm. To be able to create things that are practically practical use, and not just practical use, but are now accessible to people who may not have had it yeah. does change the the world the world or the realm of people who are able to find themselves financially set yeah. or even just maybe even have more change in their pocket than they had before yeah. what are you seeing in fintech right now and maybe even application specific that that 
are geared towards improving the livelihoods of other people who, mm -hmm. you know, maybe adversely they're struggling with not having access to finances or even understanding finance. Yeah, um, and I, I don't know if I have any good examples offhand, but I mean, there there is a big push in order to just create that that financial literacy as well. Um, That's there, the there's you know. there's there's applications out there where you know you have your bank sort of basic bank stuff in there, so. Just a debit account, right? So a checking account. Yep. I mean, that's kind of the baseline where you, where you're going to start with people, but then also having built in within that app, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like these, we call it like gamification or tips, and so you kind of get points or scores for like doing the right thing, and and people seem to be drawn to that sort of thing, right? They like to see that they're doing well. We want that dopamine, and so yeah, you want the <laughs> dopamine, right? Exactly. And what that does, though, it also trains the person. It actually. This is good financial behavior that you can do, right? And that, you know, what unbeknownst to the person, really, it's helping to increase their financial literacy. And, and so, I think that you know that's a that's a pretty cool aspect of it. I'd have, I'd have to look in to see what sort of apps specifically are doing that, but I know that they're available. Um, but like within the developing world, um, specifically um, in in Africa. Uh, one example we just went through in my class is uh, a Kenya yeah. example. They have this uh, application called M-Pesa. And what that is... M-Pesa. 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 Yep. And it's just a way people can send money. Uh, people don't have broadband internet access there, but they have, you know, sort of the old school SMS text messaging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's a way you can send money through SMS text messaging. And so that's what people have access to, but it's also increased financial adoption by by a huge proportion within Kenya. Um, and this is going back to, I think, 2018, 2017, I think, is when they, they rolled this thing out. I'll, I'll have to look at those numbers again. But uh, it's, it's, it's really helped to increase, you know, people's access to finances in that country, and that helps bring people out of poverty. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's not just new development, but people have been constantly in the efforts of trying to find better ways of sending, transferring, sharing money, funds, information, especially in the financial sector specifically. Yeah. I mean, you've got a kid. They go off to a different country, right? And what the kid wants to do is they want to send money back to mom and dad back yeah. home. And so these sorts of tools help with that. We call them remittances, where you're, where you're sending that money back home. Um, and you know, that can help to, again, lift that family out of poverty. Um, you don't have to deal with you know Western Union and things like that, where you have huge delays on how fast the money gets there. I mean, yep. that stuff can be pretty instantaneous, where you can get the money to those people. Now, um, now have you noticed any of the students, any international students who have taken a um, taking a stance on a lot of what fintech is bringing and are trying to utilize that for their own um, for the same benefit that is coming yeah yeah um, we and I want to make sure I get this right it was two years ago I believe we had a um, <clears throat> we have a we have a call for code competition with through uh, IBM is what it is uh, last year a group of students won the won the grand prize for the whole thing and they were all about uh, creating like a market for swapping vegetables around and so that was a really cool product idea yeah. but the year before that we had another group of students and they were all about um, finding markets for for I believe it was like uh, fishing produce 
So people are fishing in their villages and they want to find a way to, to sell, sell that, buy that and things like that. And so what that did then is that, you know, allowed people to connect when they were looking at it from their home country's perspective yeah. to be able to connect and then be able to have a market to sell those things and make more money for themselves uh, and kind of make everybody better off. And so, That's awesome. you know, they, they, No, I sorry, it was the, uh, <laughs> the, you said that they had the second group or the first group that did something in regards yeah. to fish. Yeah. And they were trying to find ways of being able to, so like if I was a fisherman and I wanted, mm -hmm. and I had gotten a whole stock of fish, mm -hmm. I could find this app, mm -hmm. use this app to then find people near me to then sell my stuff instead yep. of having to go to the market, the wet market, and yep. then pip you know pedal my stuff like a ah come on give a fish yep. you know which i'd love doing but like mm -hmm. that gets exhausting yep. and it's not certain and you don't have with any depth you're going out there fishing for the data i went fishing already i don't want to fish for customers yeah so in a sense a good way to put it. taking all of my data <laughs> analytics so the data analytics gives you all of the people to whom in real time are looking for the thing and using this piece of tech, I can find them directly without having yeah. to go out and do the other one. Yeah, it's kind of like a dating app. Yeah. Right? You're, you're <laughs> out there looking for partners, right? <laughs> oh, God, that's great. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's uh, that, that, I guess, changes a lot of the perspective that I had because, you know, unfortunately, uh, with the use of financial literacy, we know that there are a great deal of people who don't have it. <clears throat> and a lot of the times it felt that it was imposed that way. That mm -hmm. the world kind of created that 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 air of well, the less people know about finance, the better we are because yeah. people don't know and understand. They're easy to control. Yeah, and you know now you have more accessibility across the board for all people as players now. Yeah, and you know it it seems like it does change a little bit, and but it's it's awesome to hear that these things are. So my question then dives into mm -hmm. what is the protections, right? Because we know that there are concerns in the internet. There are all these other aspects of, mm -hmm. of safety and security. What what things are being created or uh, produced by these organizations, by these you know these apps, these companies creating this yeah. technology to help protect and and allow people to, to hold on to their money and not see it disappear under their feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a that's a big concern in the area. I mean, we. <clears throat> Even within data science itself, you know, even if you take a step back away from the financial sector and you just look at this as a whole, um, just this whole data industry that we're in now, um, you know, we're kind of in a new industrial revolution where a lot of innovation is being driven on using people's data, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so how do we protect that? And I think that there's not great rules yet for that. Uh, California itself has a pretty good set of laws regarding that. For example, um, I'm forgetting the name of their, their exact regulation set, but it's like you you get you, you have the right to know what information is being collected about you, right. what they're doing with it, if they sell it, mm -hmm. who's getting that information, and then if you want to completely piece out of that system, you have that right as well, where you have this right to be forgotten. And so California's got a pretty good set of rules. I know the EU does a pretty good job as well with their data privacy and protections. That's good to hear. But in the United States, we have various state-based laws, right? So you can't expect that South Dakota's gonna have that good a set of regulations to, to protect their consumers. Right. 
Now, that being said, a lot of companies are located in California, especially the tech companies. And so if you're located in there and you have somebody in South Dakota using your app, you're going to be covered by that, that same set of regulations that are available in California. But I think we've got a ways to go, especially at a federal level, yeah. in order to get that stuff into place. Um, I know within the banking realm itself, there are um, consumer protections in place. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's interesting. This is what we've been talking about re recently in my FinTech classes. What regulations are there in the United States? And it's there's a lot. I mean, depending on what sort of products you're dealing in, if you want to be governed at a state or a federal level, there's yeah. a lot of different regulatory entities. So um, does regulatory compliance mean uh, we have some virtual referee blowing a whistle to oh. make sure everyone in FinTech plays by the rules? Kind what of. does that look like? Yeah. What does that um, look like? I mean, it's, it's, it's such a new and developing area, too, where a lot of it is, has been wait and see. Um, and so, so we're developing the referees, in a sense. We're, we're developing them as we go. Wow. Um, you know, they don't want to come in and just say, you can't do these things and kind of right. squash innovation within the space. Fair, because you can't find out if you don't get your face smushed a little bit. Right. I get it. But they want to see, all right, what are you doing that is this, did this harm consumers? Did this harm people with mm. the activities that you're doing? If it does, then they're going to come down and slap you on the wrist with it. Um, Fair enough. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things, though, that are being developed in fintech that look similar to what we've seen in the past. And so they kind of just take those rules and say we'll kind of apply it in the same aspect. And then, you know, that's that seems to be working right now. I think we're going to have a pretty comprehensive set of rules coming out from the uh, CFPB, which is the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. Uh, that's about beginning of 2024. <laughs> yeah. And that's going to be related to um, open banking and then how data is accessed by these, these companies. So, wow. Yeah. So then, in that sense, how does that translate to the students? What is it that you utilize to teach and, and provide information on those regulatory sit setups and, and the things that you come into with compliance. Yeah. How do you set the students up to understand that environment they're stepping into? Yeah, um, and that's, when we built the program, that was probably one of the biggest asks of our, our core group of advisory board members, is okay. they're, they're all in the finance space. And we said, what do you want students to know? Yeah. And they said, well, they need to understand the playground that they're that are operating in, right? And so you need to know what the rules are in that playground. And so in this first fintech class, it's 100 levels. So I'm trying not to get too deep into any of it. I'm trying yeah. to do it at a high level where it's like, here's the things you need to consider and yeah. why you regulate, right? Yeah. It's kind of finding this balance between innovation and then, um, you know, not letting people get hurt, right? Yeah. So you want to yeah. find that right balance within there. Um, so what we teach them is kind of that, again, that high level, why we regulate. I've had a couple of guest speakers come in now, um, and they just kind of talk about, here's the regulatory bodies you should start thinking about, you should know. Mm -hmm. um, once we get them into those 300 level classes, we can we can hit them a little bit harder with those with those regulations stuff. But for now, we're trying not to bore them too much. Yeah. I start talking about regulations, and I can see students start to nod off, so. Because, <laughs> you know, in, in a sense, it's, and it goes back, I think, to the society, the culture of America, in a way. That, mm -hmm. You know, we we were talking about, it and, I, and I'm, this has been the blessing, I think, having the opportunity to work at a in a college level institution, because I get to talk with people, students, professors, about these concepts that me, along with a lot of people that I interact with, yeah. have questions on, and don't have a direct line to the information. 
or even somebody with an educated perception of to what it is I need to know and understand. Mm-hmm. And so you have, you know, the financial sector understanding what it is about, you know, money, these things, the the, the regulatory world, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these things that aren't readily accessible to any just anybody unless you know you're in the space of, of searching and then you don't know what to look for yeah um, it's, it, it's interesting to hear this this end because you know this this is fear this is this concern that, that uh, we're all gonna be controlled by robots yeah right? sure. like we're all gonna be controlled by robots and then it's like well what's the point of any of what we're doing yeah but you know, in the end of the day, I think we are still here trying to make the best of the situations we're in. Yeah. And, you know, it, for what it's worth, it, the new toys are always scary at first, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe. And that's the struggle that we're finding is, you know, we're all, I don't know. And so because I don't know, my ignorance increases the fear of what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And we're confronting that. And then you have people who are on the other side who are like, well, I know everything. Yeah. But they just want to dive in. And so going in with the freedom of America, we have like every, the students want to just explore, you know, I want to go in, I want to dive in, I want to get my knees scraped, I want to get dirty, I want to get all in that. And then we forget that it's finance and any miscalculation can cause harm to somebody, even a nation, because of misunderstanding or just not having the restraint. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's the thing we will find here is that in in this development, we'll find the restraints necessary not just for the financial development but like even ourselves as a country yeah that's the hope right i mean there's a lot of potential in fintech like i said you know in order to help lift people out of poverty and and get these products into the hands of the end users at the same time there is a fear that you know are we going to use these tools for good Mm. right um and I have faith. I mean, maybe I'm naive to, to think that, but you know, at the same time, I think that there's a younger generation is the one that's really developing these tools, and I think that hopefully they're learning from the mistakes we've seen in the past to make this a better place for everybody. Fair enough. Well, Ray, at this point, we're going to take our break, and uh, for those who have uh, been listening so far, we will be right back with some more Breakfast At. Oh, we'll continue recording, but... Dude, this is, like, when I went diving into it, I didn't realize the the depth. I did honestly think that it was some, like, oceanic technology, and I'm like, I didn't know he was into marine biology or, like, these things. Mm-hmm. And you go into it, you're like, oh, no, no, this is, it's financial technologies. Like, it is money, monetary, you know, systems, yeah. these things that you're trying to bring in, in I guess I just didn't know it was as in the works as it was. I didn't know it was going to be as accessible. Like, I've been trying to dive into this app where it's like I can invest in Mm -hmm. small portions in, like, big big, uh, pools Mm -hmm. for, like, you know, $10 a share, $10 a buy-in and whatnot. It's not huge. And it gives me the opportunity to... um, to invest more mm-hmm. but it's like it's at my fingertips it's an app now yeah. and I can just push a button and say hey I want to do this and I can have that consistently pulled out of my bank yep. five ten years ago that wasn't a big thing it wasn't even a consideration almost yeah. we were just coming into this idea and if you were trying to invest you had better known somebody yeah. 
or had you know money in the bank mm -hmm. to be able because it was like a thousand or ten thousand dollar minimum. It's like yeah, you know, not every average person has that. Yeah. So it it is interesting to dive into this world and see just how this is coming out and, and the accessibility. Yeah. Because that I think is the thing that like people actually having access to funds or the potential funds mm -hmm. or being able to utilize their funds the way they want within reason obviously you know they had the the black the dark web and you know cryptocurrencies mm -hmm. I, I mean these 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 buzzwords that have just become brand new but now you know with Bitcoin and you know Ethereum kind of falling some of these things that fluctuate nobody really knows how secure they are yeah Nobody really understands them because it's not cash and tangible. I can't yeah. put it in my hand. Yeah. I have this virtual place that I express everything. Yeah. And then from there, I can take it from there and like, okay, here, I want to transfer it this way. It's like I'm playing a game. Yeah. And I, I don't know how else other than put it because you had said the same. You know, we're going to put little cues, hints. Yeah. And these things, it does feel game-like. Yeah. Is that something that felt intentional? Does it seem as if that's the only real way we seem to learn is in that mm -hmm. way, right? Because game playing and the act of play yeah. seems to be an inherent part of culture of humanity in yeah. some capacity. So is it in some way that the, the event, the inevitable gaming system within financial, within all these other things are the byproduct of that in some mm -hmm. way? Maybe this is a little more philosophical than anything, but, yeah. you know. That's, that's an interesting question. question to think about. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the best way we learn, um, okay. but it seems to be a pretty good way that we learn. Um, we we <laughs> like, like, yeah, like you said, right? We get that dopamine rush for the little lab rats getting that that piece of cheese. Oh man, um, feels like lab rat. But it's, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think we found a pretty effective way to get, especially the younger generation, kind of hooked on these things. And so, I mean. You and I grew up playing video games, I'm sure, and so um, it's just kind of our generation. We grew up with that technology. We yeah. like that reward system. Yeah. Um, so it, it does seem to be working. I kind of like what you're talking about with the accessibility aspect, right? Where, um, right, you don't need $10,000 anymore to get started in this stuff. And I think that's that's a really cool aspect of the accessibility. You got $10 now, you can invest that. And it doesn't always need to be a huge sum of money in order to no. do that, right? Mm -hmm. It just always helps. Just kind of stashing away little pieces here and there. Yes. In the long run, it kind of builds up to something greater. So, you know, that can. I think that that's a really you know, solid byproduct of all of this stuff. You know, again, increasing that accessibility for people who traditionally can't invest. Right. Yeah. Now, want to go back to your education aspect okay. um, as director of fintech at Augie, mm -hmm. uh, what are your main goals and priorities in shaping the curriculum and programs to mm. prepare students for careers in this field yeah um, so we've got a pretty close advisory board for the program okay. uh, the first one is the first member of this advisory board is Pathword. they were our main donor uh, for the program um, they really came to us and said we'd like you to start one of these programs and that's that's really how things got kicked off with it and, mm -hmm. and so it's been through through working with them and then as well as um, some other financial organizations in the community figuring out what this thing is I mean I spent a lot of hours um, just about a year ago now um, 
figuring out what fintech is. Um, like I said, I come from econ and data science, and so fintech was very new to me, and it's, it's very new to many people, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had to have hours and hours of interviews with, with these companies saying, all right, we're gonna build this thing out. What skill sets do you wanna see uh, in the graduates coming out of this program? That's gonna make it so you wanna hire them to, yeah. to work in this space. And, you know, you know, I come out of this and I have a, a list that's a mile long from, from all of these interviews I've done. And I'm like, okay, how do I distill this down now into a manageable major at a, at a liberal arts institution, no less, right? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so it, it was, that was a challenge. Um, but I think that we found a really good balance with that where um, the, the people that are on our advisory board are very happy with it. Um, and so I think that that was the starting point of it. I just want to use that idea going forward. This is a constantly changing space, right? Um, and so I need to keep that line of communication open with these companies. I need to see what are the new skill sets they want to see, you know, a few years from now. Right. So always be tweaking the curriculum in order to incorporate that. Because it's always evolving. Yep. So there's always going to be a need to maybe readjust and adapt. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and so like this this FinTech 110 class I'm teaching now, I mean, this is the first run on it. Um, the stuff I'm teaching in there today might not be relevant in two years, right? So I may need wow. to constantly retool this stuff. I'm not saying all of it, but you know, certain yeah. aspects of it. Um, and so it's just gonna be on me as well in order to stay on top of my, my research within the space as well. Um, Last year I went to, to Finnovate Fall, which was in Manhattan, and that's kind of like a tech trade show sort of thing, but within the fintech space. Sweet. And so you have these these tech companies that have these financial products, and they get up on stage and they give a little 10 minute demo of it. Yeah. Um, and then there's investors in the crowd, and there's banks in the crowd, yeah. you know, and they want people to purchase their product essentially. Um, and so that was really cool just to kind of see what things people are doing in the space. And then they have a trade show floor where I was able to walk around and ask the same sorts of questions. Yes. You know, we're making a fintech program. What would you want to see the skill sets be of a fintech major potentially? So that was a great way to kind of learn. And you're getting to ask the actual men, the, the producers and the yep. creators of these things themselves. And the purchasers. I mean, we're talking to big banks there and things yep. like that. Oh my um, God. I'm going to have the opportunity to do that in a couple of weeks now. I'm going to go to... Um, Money 2020 in Las Vegas. It's called Money 2020. And this is yeah, this is I guess the the big fintech trade show. What? Uh, so how do you get an invite to that? You gotta pay money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta fair. pay a yeah. lot of money to yeah. do it. Um, so I mean, I'm gonna be doing the same thing. Nice. Um, just seeing what's. In, I was talking to a, a gal that's going there, and she described it as kind of the Coachella of of, the Coachella. of fintech conferences. <laughs> and so, she said there's going to be about twenty thousand people there. So I'm wow. really excited to see what this zoo is going to be about, right? That's awesome. That's awesome. So, AI-powered chatbots sound like mm. digital fortune tellers, man. Mm. Uh, can they predict if I'm going to have a bad hair day or not? No. <laughs> <laughs> Straight answer, no. 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 Uh, but what what is it then about this digital age? Yeah. Because we know with AR, we know with uh, augmented artificial reality, these yeah. new technologies, especially virtual reality, man. Virtual yeah. reality came up back in the 80s as this huge thing. You and I remember that from the Game Boy headset, that big, crazy, orange... Oh, the Virtual Boy. You remember the Virtual yeah. Boy, right? Yes. Like that... 
that was the first dive into like the idea of virtual reality for a layman, somebody you know, somebody who's yeah. didn't come from much, but if you lucked out, you knew somebody who had one, or you happened to be able to get one. But now it's coming back in a whole new application, and with with so much strength now behind yeah. it. What is the world of banking? What is the world of the digital playground going to look like in the world of finance? Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I think we're seeing... I almost feel like we're, we have a, a product and they're trying to find clever ways to utilize that product, right? I, th I think virtual reality is really cool. Yeah. I don't see it as a really big application space in terms of uh, finance. Fair. You know, yep. you're seeing kind of these metaverses where people are buying and selling digital homes within the metaverse for, for massive sums of money. And I feel like <laughs> that's a bad application of it. Um, people want physical assets, not these non-tangible digital assets that you really you can't live in that house, right? Um, and so I, I don't know, in terms of in virtual reality and, and augmented reality, things like that, I don't see a whole lot of use within finance. I could be completely wrong, though, with that. I don't see a lot of use in cryptocurrency either, so maybe I'm kind of conservative when it comes to those things. Well, and cryptocurrency, again, came out in a way where it was about destabilizing something that yep. felt like it was, yep. you know, and, and trying to find autonomy and, and sovereignty in yeah. a, 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 a currency system, mm -hmm. right? When it first developed, nobody really understood it, nobody really got an idea. Only the high and topest of the top people who were in, uh, you know, programming, computer science, all of that, mm -hmm. understood what this was and what was coming. Yeah. And now it feels like it's kind of disappeared, you know, after, what was it, X, XDS or uh, MDX, you know, you had oh, this... FTX. FTX, yeah, yeah, you had this group of people who just took, it was almost like the big short, yeah. in a way, right? The group of people who saw this thing and saw people jumping on the bandwagon was like, oh, we could just kind of take people for billions of dollars. Yeah. You know, is there still, efficacy? is there still, there's still a place for it? digital currency? I, I think so. Um, and I should say I don't believe in, in digital cryptocurrencies, things like that. <laughs> I've, I've just seen that the, and we saw this with NFTs too, right? So during the pandemic, people were using some of their stimulus money in order to kind of invest in these things. Um, yep. And we saw kind of these pump and dump schemes where people would hype up their cryptocurrency, their Dogecoins or whatever, and yep. then it would shoot to the moon the price, and then the, the creator of it would sell it all and leave the other people holding the bag with it yeah. so um, I think in terms of you know we need to reach a point where it's adopted well enough yeah um, and there's more trust within the system um, because that's really kind of the basis of, of having a currency right you need to have trust in it it needs to be accepted use yeah. um, of exchange and there needs to be less volatility around it I feel like um, you know, we see Bitcoin where it's, it's climbs up and up and up and people jump on the train and all of a sudden it crashes again, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. And so I, I think in yep. terms of, you know, viable currencies, you know, Bitcoin might be one, Ethereum might be one. People are trying to create what they call stable coins, which mm. are, you 
know, they'll, they'll keep that volatility, but so far it seems like most efforts to do that, there's usually some sort of speculative attack on the currency that will destabilize the price. And that loses faith in the currency then, and then it kind of leads to disaster for it. So um, maybe, maybe as, as, as the generations grow older and, you know, people start to believe in it more than it could be, it could come to that point. Yeah. I mean, in the end, it is still relative, relatively new. Oh, for sure. Yep. Because Bitcoin's been around for like, what, 20 years um, at most? Roughly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's still like anything else, you know, the dollar was taken in by the American people. Yeah. You know, and it was it, it went through its own evolution. Oh yeah. You know. I only imagine it's gonna happen here, but maybe it looks different now because it is on a global scale because yeah. of its usability. Yeah. And I mean, you might run into the issue as well where the, the entire reason these cryptocurrencies were created to begin with is to circumvent the government, right? Um, what's the best way to get people to have faith and, and believe in a product? Probably through government sponsorship, right? And so you, it just might be another thing where you know people might not really understand or have faith in the system until they get the old USA stamp of approval on it. Right. So. Right. Wow. That's interesting. We just talked about the whole evolution of the monetary system in my fintech class because you know in order to understand where we're at now, I want them to understand kind of the history of banking in the United States and you have to. There was a lot of turmoil, man, where it was here's the currency. It would work for like five years, then it would blow up, and all of a sudden you have everybody issuing their own currencies, and it was it was the wild west of banking for sure. And that was on a state level as well, or was that even on oh, like yeah. a town level? Like I mean, we we had like iterations where the the federal government would say, all right, here's the national bank, here's the currency we're going to use. Yeah. And they would have like a twenty year charter in place. Okay. And then the charter would expire, and then people would say, no, we're not re redoing the charter. We're going to let states issue their own currencies. And then within those states, you'd have individual banks. There's even like instances where like steakhouses and like steel companies were issuing their own currencies, where it's really weird. Let me give you these uh, these Wendy's bucks or something like that. Right, right? now, as far as that, I'm like, man, you imagine McDonald's, especially yeah. just McDonald's being them, had their own, you know, because Disneyland, you can go to Disneyland, you can exchange your currency for Disneyland dollars. Yeah. Same concept, and it's usable everywhere in that land of dreams, except yeah. when you leave, it's paper. Yep. <laughs> it's like, okay. So that means then it, it is purely based off of the belief systems that are being held of that currency yep. and the people who are willing to stand by that currency when it yep. is in circulation. Yeah. And cryptocurrency is one of those things where we're, it's still on shaky ground is probably a good way. Yeah, I would still, say so. Still shaky. We're not really too sure where it's going to go and what it's going to create what we're here trying to create with it. Yeah, I think the blockchain technology itself is a little bit cooler application of it. Um, you know, crypto is kind of one of the first use cases of blockchain technology. Yeah. Um, but this idea that we have information that's not just stored on one central computer anymore, yes. and we can kind of distribute that over many systems, yep. kind of increases security in the system. And so we're seeing some cool applications with that in terms of like, things like smart contracts, um, of maybe secure identity for people yeah and so you can't have identity theft anymore maybe if you have a system where if somebody gets a degree you put that on a blockchain and then you mm. can't kind of spoof credentials that way <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot of cool aspects of blockchain i think and i think with blockchain especially with what was it bitcoin mm -hmm. the 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 
words going well not the words going around the concern going around was well if somebody can crack the code in getting into a bitcoin or a coin itself yeah. that then makes and it becomes the same thing as counterfeit dollars counterfeit yeah. hundred dollar bills I can go around and do the thing but encryption codes I mean just technology in that regard has been essentially just getting better and better than our ability to encrypt stuff that you know got long numbers to be able to encrypt these things now yeah you know but with the advent of quantum computing or just finding new computations that allow us to process information and find an answer faster yeah does that change the landscape for the potential of cryptocurrency being a thing or does that help improve and fortify it if mm. as the technology gets better the securing of coin becomes better mm. or is it hand in hand technology gets better so you're still susceptible either way yeah i mean you know as technology gets better it's better computers you're more able to crack those codes right and kind of break into people's information it's it's an interesting question and not i'm not huge on the cybersecurity aspect of things but um i feel like a lot of the cases where you know people are losing their bitcoin or they're losing their their nfts or whatever it is it's been on the user end that's the security flaw in it and so um if you've got credentials on a blockchain and it says you have X amount of money in your in your Bitcoin wallet, yep. nobody can take that from you unless somebody steals your physical credentials in order to make that transaction on your behalf. Right. And so as long as you're securing those credentials, um, you're you should be set uh, because again the way distributed ledger technology works, the blockchain, all this information is stored on hundreds of thousands of computers, right? Right. And so. You can't have one computer all of a sudden saying, no, this guy's bank account is zero and this money's over here. You'll have all the other computers in that system saying, it's redundant no, no, no. Systems, yeah. yeah, right. And they'll say, no, that's not what happened. And they'll <laughs> call that one out and you know, rectify the mistakes. So, I see. Yeah. And which is awesome to know that it has an internal checks and balances yep. by having redundancies of information. Yep. So yeah, even if I have my main computer that has information on it, if I am to lose this, it's still out there somewhere yeah. and can be found and verified. Yeah. And it's not being verified through human means, it's being verified through the computational means, which is like a friend of mine used to say, numbers don't lie, yeah. right? It's gonna always be consistent in that realm. Mm -hmm. um, are you looking forward then to seeing any technologies that do help the end user be more managing or better manage their financial um, uh, the stability, not just with protection, but also in managing their money. Hmm. Um, I mean, I can't think of any in particular. I, I just think in general, though. Um, I, I, I mean, I am excited. I mean, it's kind of the, some of the things we've talked about already, where yeah. um, you know, any way we can help to just get those products at the end of the hands of the end user. Um, yeah. Anything that we can put within those products to maybe help increase that financial literacy. I think those are all are all benefits. Spam. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna go through the last few questions. Okay. And these are gonna be just a little. Some will be fun, but. Okay. Um, I know that the COVID nineteen pandemic accelerated uh, digital transformation. Uh, transformation. Yes. Uh, including the financial sector. Yes. How has the effect? How has this affected your approach to teaching and researching fintech? Yeah. Um, I mean, with teaching, it's just we, 
and I think with work in general, I think we've learned we just need to be more flexible on things. Um, I think that the the nine to five, sort of five days a week in the office, is is gone. I mean, I, I hope so. <laughs> I know employers are really trying to claw back their employees to say you need to come work in the office again, and yeah. they're getting met with a lot of resistance on that, which which I'm for. I mean. I'm fortunate enough to have a job where it's it's fairly flexible in yeah. and of itself, even before COVID. Um, academia is pretty flexible. As long as you're teaching your classes, you're getting your work done, you're getting your research done, right. you're going to meetings, most people don't really care if you, if you punch a clock or not, right? Right, um, right. But I, I definitely see the benefits within within other sectors where you know, having the ability to work remotely on stuff, yeah. um, I think is a huge benefit. Um, so, yeah, I guess the way I teach, uh, specifically, you know, if I'm sick or something like that, I'm, I'm very easy to pivot online with the class. Um, awesome. If I'm traveling for a fintech conference or something, this happened last year where my flight got completely canceled and I couldn't make it to classes the next day. So what I do, I went to my hotel room and I recorded the next day's lectures. And you're not getting out of this one, students. You get to watch me digitally instead, right? So just the, the way we're using technology, I, I think that that's... That's great. I mean, it's definitely transforming the way we do work. Yeah. Do you um, do you plan on utilizing some of the experiences you have at these trade shows, at these places where the technology's present and the people and players are present, um, to to kind of show your students that world and show them and, and emphasize more as to the people and, and folks that are going to be a part of? Like, are you using? those moments as a tool to say hey look at this experience look at the things that are out there yeah no absolutely I mean that's a big reason why I go to these things I want to curate content for the students to yeah. kind of let them know because I mean you go to these things and you kind of see what the hot new products are yeah. I mean the the trade shows that last year was all about these like um, basically chatbots and so it's like customer service right you call up you say hey I have a problem I lost my debit card or something like yeah. that it's not a person on the other line. It's a, no. it's an AI, right? Mm -hmm. So they're able to, to help you out. And we've seen there's a lot of frustrations with that, right? Where it's like, you say what you want, and it doesn't hear what you're saying. And so I, yeah. I think last year was really trying to demo like the improvements we made in that space, and everyone's really trying to crack that where they have, you know, our our artificial intelligence, yeah. you know, assistants able to help better than everybody else's. There's like 15 of them last year, I think, at wow. this at this thing where. And some people demoed them right on stage, and some of them worked pretty good, and some of them were felt flat on their face right on the right on the demo stage. And so, um, but yeah, back to your original question. I mean, yeah, that's a huge reason I go. Right? Yeah. I want to see what's going on in the industry in order to help me inform what I should be teaching. But also, if there's cool products that I want to bring back and highlight, I mean, the students love seeing that stuff. Ben, so, Ben, yeah. There's this uh, this notion I have about the uncanny valley. Um, and it goes back to visual art and just visual representations in general because me being an artist and a fan of film and cinema and things that kind of bring the uh, bring the world or a, an idea of the world out to flesh and, and show you. There's always the uncanny valley. When it gets too real, yeah. or when it gets trying to be real, it's obvious that it's not. Yeah. And up until it is real, there's always going to be that uncanny valley. And I believe that the uncanny valley exists up until the point where it's real. Yeah. And I've always thought that it also existed in the world of spoken word, where how does an AI express something that it's never experienced on its own? 
and I believe that there will always be an uncanny valley in the world of articulation in the artificial realm yeah. because up until it is real, yeah. you're only ever talking to something that has a perceived representation of real yeah. reality. And so I'm, I'm curious in myself to see where chatbots go in that if, if there's ever going to be a time where the uncanny valley is broken because I know when I'm talking to a chatbot. Yeah. They get good. They yeah. get really good. But I've always known when I'm talking to a chatbot because there are just those subtle uh, emphasis, em yeah. uh, the way they say words, the, the emphasis on S's or pluralities and just these little details mm -hmm. that... No, I'm talking to a bot. Yeah. And I've, I've always been curious if that is ever going to change. Yeah, I mean... And when, but... That's that's kind of the, um, you know, the question in AI in general right now, right? You're building these models, these these ways that we can interact with humans based off of past data, yeah. right? And so you're using all information that you've fed it. And so it can't really think beyond things that it's seen in the past. It, right. it has a hard time extrapolating beyond that, right? Yep. Um, and so, Can't I don't know. Difference. I don't know. Are we ever going to hit that singularity point where AI is just as smart as the humans and now it can start to surpass the humans? Oh, AGI. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Join us every other week on the Daily Grind for Breakfast at the podcast series that brings the flavors of your favorite local restaurants right to your ears. So, looking ahead, yeah, what are your aspirations for the fintech program at Augustana University, and how do you envision its growth and its impact in the coming years? Yeah, um, I think I, I've got some pretty lofty goals with it. I mean, I'll start off by saying we're the fourth fintech major in the country. Um, so there's, there's not a lot of other schools doing that, at least at the undergraduate level. There's a handful that are having like a master's degree or a certificate program uh, in fintech, but mm -hmm. uh, just specifically as an undergraduate major, we're the, we're the fourth one. Um, and so I think that gives us a lot of you know, sort of that first mover advantage, right? Where we're one of the pioneers doing this stuff. And I want to make this program go, grow so that um, I really want to be recognized as sort of a thought leader in the space. Um, and so, you know, how, how that's going to happen, I'm not quite sure yet. I'm still building up resources on that, but um, kind of in the short term on the horizon, what we got going is um, we've got our fintech class right now. Mm -hmm. I want to keep the, the content rolling. Mm -hmm. um, so this spring, we're going to start a seminar series uh, where we'll have a monthly um, sort of get together, you know, in the evening. Um, and we'll have fintech professionals come in from the community who are able to just kind of talk about certain topics that we have. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking like we'll have one that's really focused on blockchain and cryptocurrency because we don't get to cover that a whole lot in my class right now. So just having kind of that extra seminar um, focused on that, I think that'll be really cool. Um, we've had HR professionals in the space reach out and say, you know, if you ever want us to talk to students about how to build that resume, um, how to write that letter or that that cover letter for the application, mm -hmm. we'd love to come in. I'm like, well, great. Why don't we just do a seminar on that so we can get those HR professionals to come in, you know, talk to students about how, how those things should look. And so that's going to start in the spring, um, and I want to keep that going monthly. So once we start back up in the fall again, uh, we'll keep that going as well. Um, so that's sort of short term. Um, we're going to have the, uh, the internship program coming out 
Um, not this summer, but the next summer is when we're going to start to roll with that. And so these companies that we have on the advisory board, they've pledged to have, you know, internship slots available for, for students at Augustana. And so with that, the idea is we'll have like, you know, maybe 10 companies in town or something like that. They'll each take one or two interns. Um, so you'll have uh, students kind of spread out all over town working in different areas of finance and fintech. Awesome. And then in order to have like a knowledge share with that, um, I was, we were thinking that what if every two or three weeks or something like that, one of those companies could host like a mixer or something like that over the summer. And then we'd have all the Agi interns get together there, kind of swap stories and what they've been doing at that company. That company can talk about what they do within the space. Yeah. And so that way, if any students feel like, you know, I'm not really jiving with the company I'm, I'm working with right now, yeah. you know, they can see what other companies are doing in town. This might be a better use of my skills or something, or I, I kind of like what they're doing more than the yeah. other companies. It's, yeah. And so, I just think having those sorts of those ex learning experiences for students, um, you know, going back to that advisory board we have where I'm having guest speakers come in all the time in my yeah. class now, that just adds that, you know, sort of realness to it yeah. for the students. And so I just want to create more things like that where we're actually interacting with these companies in the space yeah. um, to get students set up so that when they graduate, they feel like they have a place to go right away. That's like, because I, I, I imagine this being a realm that needs a well-rounded group of individuals approaching it from many different angles yeah. because of everything that's encompassed in it. Yeah. And so that set your students up that way to then provide the diversity of experience. Mm -hmm. To me, that that's powerful because obviously the more I have and the more information I have from different experiences from different companies who, who are all going to see the same realm differently, yeah. it definitely gives a setup for Hey, you know, if I'm coming out and I've had an opportunity to work with maybe even five out of the ten, yeah. it gives me a much better perspective of the overall scope of, you know, businesses coming out, practices, than if I was just to stay with one and ah, now I'm just kind of stuck in this philosophy and this uh, ideology and this company. Yeah. You know, if that's how I'm approaching it, I might even be setting myself up for failure or other people utilizing it because I only have one way of seeing it. Yeah. That's, that's amazing because... Yeah, it feels like that's the thing that changes or moves, movement alters the tide. Yeah. Because you have kids coming out and learning a vast amount of things mm -hmm. and that helping them introduce perspective. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think that is it's going to, oh man, dude, I'm excited. I'm not even in the class and just hearing that. I'm like, <laughs> you're going to get to talk to a bunch of different people and have all those things. Yeah. Uh, and you, well, I guess that's a great transition then. In your experience, uh, what are the most exciting and promising areas within fintech mm. uh, for your young professionals uh, to explore in terms of career opportunities and innovation? Mm. I mean, there's there's just so many roles within it, yeah. I feel like. Because um, there's kind of a space for anybody. I mean, if you are the more finance side of things, you can really specialize in that aspect where you're going to be a financial analyst you're maybe doing the actual banking operations and things like that um, but just kind of then having those technical skills or those understandings of those things yeah. uh, to give you a better idea of how the whole system operates or maybe you could be on the more technical side of things and you're 
just going to be like a programmer or something yeah. like that. You're the one in charge of maintaining these systems within the financial organization. Right. Maybe you're the one that's developing the application that people are using. Right. Uh, either the front end of that, where you're designing the user experience on the app, yep. Yep. or the back end, where you're actually just maintaining all the code and how things operate within there. Yeah. I just think that there's just so many facets of it where where students want to specialize, um, they can really find that where they fit in, yeah. Dude, that's wild. So uh, what do you find most exciting about potential applications of blockchain technology in the financial sector, and how do you convey this excitement to your students? Yeah. Um, you know, we dove into it a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, I, I kind of, you know, I, I like to start with, you know, the hype the, that the students know and they, they like to talk about. So things like um, buying digital homes in the yeah. augmented reality, right? Yeah. So talking about things like that, talking about NFTs, talking yeah. about cryptocurrency. Um, these are things that students are really interested in because um, it's hot, right? It's in the news yes. and it's, yep. it's, 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 it's fun for them. It's the new hotness. It's the new hotness, right? <laughs> so we start out by talking those, um, but then I say, you know, what are the issues with it though, right? Yeah. And then we can dive into that and say, all right, here's the issues of cryptocurrency, here's the issues with NFTs, which don't really exist anymore in, in the asset trading space like we were yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. Um, so then we can talk about, you know, different applications in blockchain. Um, and like I said before, there's a lot of issues regarding like information security with it, yeah. um, the way we can have contracts on there. Um, so you can't really spoof those credentials and you know those sorts of things I think are, are the more interesting applications of it so just kind of showing students outside of the the hype you know here's how we can really use this stuff see yeah so give me a quick synopsis uh, so the, just a quick little brief what are the things as a individual who does not know anything who is just coming into this world. Yeah. What are the things I should know, I should be aware of, and look out for yeah. as I venture through the world of financial technology? Yeah, um, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff within it. Um, and you know, as I mentioned before, I, I've spent the most of this last year figuring out what FinTech is. Um, I think at the bottom line, if you just boil it down to, again, we're trying to create these things that are more accessible for people. Yep. Um, I think that's a good way to distill it down. Um, there's always new things to learn within the space for sure. Um, you can be very overwhelming to try and figure out what fintech is and really boil it down to just a, a one-line definition of that because yeah. it's so many different things. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I have to say about that. Okay. <laughs> now, finally, Ray. If you could explain fintech to me, okay. using only emojis, oh boy. which emojis would you choose, and can I use them to buy virtual ice cream? Oh man, can I cheat? Yeah, yes. Go at... ahead. You can look up emojis <laughs> and use those as a way to describe fintech. Okay. Um... I won't limit. You tell me how many you need, and you go until you feel. I you feel like. Three is a good amount, right? Three work. Three yeah. work. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many. I know, <laughs> and they keep getting, they keep growing. So there's a bank emoji. Okay. So maybe we can use the bank emoji. Bank emoji. Um, maybe a 
globe emoji. That's a good one. Because it's globe. connecting people. Copy. Yeah. And then, see that? I mean, if it's fintech, we should have like the the money. We'll do like the flying money. Emoji. I was gonna say, yeah. yeah what you, what yeah. kind of money are we dealing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So okay. we'll do those three. Bank, the globe, and the flying money. Yeah. What a wonderful way to describe something so fresh, brand new, semi-obscure, but apart and connected to everything we find ourselves doing currently in this world. And, you know, to be and have somebody of, somebody like you who's in not only the educational aspect, but also a, a creator, a, a uh, supporter, somebody who is fascinated just as much about the world, to have some enthusiasm, some excitement, uh, understanding that there are the other ends, you know, the dark sides of it that, mm -hmm. that have potential to cause harm. Yeah. But also seeing that, you know, there are a lot of technologies coming up right now that are helping minimize that, mitigate some of those things that might come up with bad actors. You know, this is exciting. Mm -hmm. This is amazing to have the opportunity to dive into something I've never known about had an understanding for a little bit just because on my end finally getting into investing and like growing and, and trying to become a better utilizer of my finances and, and you're like all of these things that exist and all these applications and opportunities to, to go different realms and then it's not just me but it's now accessible to everybody yeah this is a new frontier man new frontier I'm a pioneer. You are a, you are a <laughs> pioneer, man. And I just want you to know, like, to have this opportunity to talk to you on this level, this has opened up a whole new realm, uh, very different eyes now as to the things that you do. Yeah. I don't just think you're some cool hippie uh, uh, <laughs> teacher who's, like, they're just trying to change the minds. You're like, no, I'm, I'm in it. You're in the dirt. You're in the trenches. Yeah. And that's spectacular. So... This is, this is exciting. To I hear. hope you still think of me as a cool hippie, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, that's, I don't think that'll ever go away. It'll all go away. That's been, that was the first notion I had. Uh, that was actually that was the question I wanted to dive into. Ray, do you remember the day we met? <laughs> oh, man. Um, not exactly. No, I just I, I remember a few interactions with you at Madsen Center. Yeah. Um, but to pick one in particular, I don't know if I could pinpoint it. Okay. You'd always wear that uh, that hat. Oh yes, yep. Every, everywhere. Yep. Yeah, that was. I mean, the hat. But you were you were working outside a lot, so you got to protect yourself. So. It's fair. Yeah, it's fair. No, it was but, uh, when I I remember first meeting you, and I remember first getting stuff and, and helping you out with your office. Yeah. And that was the first time where it, that was my introduction to you as a person and that willingness to hold space. Yeah. And I think that has been a defining factor for a lot of the people that I've met who are either on, and I don't want to use the term on one side or the other of success, but people who are su successful, I've noticed, seem to be capable of holding space for people in a way that allows them to not be stuck in their own perceptions, the willingness to see and perceive from another side, the other side of the table, which is, I think, the hardest thing in the world where we are so inundated with self-centered perspectives, you know, we're so inundated with me, 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 you know, look at what I'm doing, social media, unfortunately, having caused, I think, a lot of that, or yeah. even just brought it to the surface. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm excited to see where this goes. I am uh, stoked just to see the things that you are going to create in this 
And then, you know, the people who come out of your class and have nothing but amazing things or, you know, terrified, whatever it is, yeah. whatever they're left <laughs> with, I'm excited to see the people that come out of that and, and the ventures that they, that they create, that they take, um, and the technologies and things that, that come to pass from them, man, because yeah. you are. You're a pioneer at the forefront of something that is brand new in a way and is only going to either improve, I hope, in the long in the in the future. So yeah. thank you for your time, Ray, thank as always. You, Carl. Pleasure. And uh, for the rest of you guys who have been listening in so far, thank you again for being here with Breakfast at. We continue to have one conversation at a time in hopes of making the efforts to changing the world. And who would have thought breakfast would have been the thing that helped, the, that was the catalyst maybe, I don't know. But we're here doing it, so thank you guys for listening this far. Uh, we look forward to you on the next episode of Breakfast At. Later. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Breakfast At. Today's location, Josiah's Coffee House and Cafe. If you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to share this podcast with anyone that you believe could benefit from the conversation. If you yourself resonated with any topic, please leave a thought in the comments below. The more we can have these open discussions, the more we can come together as a people. 